0: Hello and welcome to the Sound Up Seattle podcast. I'm your host Tyler Cartwright joined as always by my co-host John Carey and we are here today to break down some interesting news in the Seattle sports world not a lot going on and so we want to talk about kind of the biggest move that the Mariners have made this offseason and then Hey, the Seahawks just got a new coach, or at least that's what all of Twitter and ESPN has said. We're still waiting on finalized confirmation, but...
1: Correct. And we talked a lot of candidates, and this guy was not one of them, which is (laughs)
0: great for the content, because
1: we've got all new things to say.
0: Um, But, as always, before we get started, a little Coyote Picnic. Should we start it off as usual with the discussion on the Gonzaga Bulldogs?
1: <laughs> we have to. Um, yeah. Gonzaga, both men's and women's, had a good week, both going 3 and 0 in WCC play. Women's stomping up on St. Mary's, Santa Clara, and San Francisco, while the men beat down on Pacific and LMU. Um, it's been a good week. It's been a good week. Uh, they are now on a five-game winning streak, bludgeoning WCC play since that awful one-point loss to Santa Clara. Um, and we wanted to talk a little bit. Why don't you tell us how UW did this week?
0: Um, yeah, U Dub went one-one. They beat Colorado and lose to Utah, or no, they beat Utah and lose to Colorado. Um, and they they're doing all right. They're kind of coasting along, right at the middle of the pack when it comes to their standings. I really want to talk about Wazoo and how amazing they've been they are currently 15 and 6 they just beat Colorado and Utah two teams that they lost to early in the season and I really think they're hitting their stride they started off a little rough in the pack but have since um, since that weekend they started off 0 and 2 they're 6 and 2 since then so 6 and 4 total in the Pac-12 conference games and really I think what it comes down to is like I said either last week or the week before their scoring has just been so consistent from their top scorers where where they, ha- they have not had a rough night from those guys, um, Isaac Jones and, uh, oh, what's his name? Miles Rice. Two very, very solid scorers who are both averaging somewhere in the mid-teens, which is really good for college basketball. Yes. Um, and, yeah, we were talking yesterday about ESPN released their bracketology and had both Wazoo and Gonzaga in the first four outs. So currently they're sitting at that, like, 68 to 70 range yes um and you were very upset when i said that <laughs> <laughs> we had a conversation about it um and i i think it's interesting because both these teams have very similar records mm-hmm. i think i think gonzag is now 16 to 5 or 15 and 5 16 and 5 nice. so
1: one full game ahead of wazoo
0: yeah um but yeah they're both i mean wazoo's playing tougher opponents Correct. And they have a way
1: better win on this season than Gonzaga does. Our best win is a close loss to Purdue. <laughs> um, and they beat Arizona, which is fantastic. A fantastic win. Arizona's going to finish the season in the top 10. Um, so that's great. And, you know, I'm not in no shade at Wazoo to say that Wazoo and Gonzaga should be ranked close to each other right now is a statement that I would agree with. Um there are arguments to be made that Wazi should be ranked higher, even though Gonzaga has, you know, a little more pedigree. Um, I'm just surprised to hear that they're both ranked that low. And you made a good point yesterday, which is that, you know, just because they're considered in the first four out doesn't mean they're considered the 68th best team in the country. You're factoring in all these conferences, you know, you got... 15, 20 small conferences, all of whom will have a winner who gets an automatic bid. So maybe that correlates to something more like the 45th best team in the country. Um, But I think both teams are not necessarily getting the most respect in the world. If you look at the bottom of the top 25, it's a bunch of teams that are 14 and 7, you know, 15 and 6. They're right there records wise. Um, And the argument against UW is, row, zero quality wins. Zero quad one wins on the season so far. This Kentucky game in, what is it, 10 days is looming massive. Um, they seem to be hitting their stride, so that game is going to be huge in terms of getting any sort of respect. They need a quad one win. They just need one. Um, and the Wazoo, on the other hand, they have the win. They do. They beat Arizona. Um, why aren't they in the top 25? Is it Just a a lack of pedigree? Do people not respect them? What is it?
0: I think what it comes down to is that exact thing. It's Wazoo has never been the team that is ranked in basketball specifically. Like they've always kind of been a team that gets thrown together in terms of their players. Um, And they they can get these really good wins. Uh, Obviously, they beat number eight Arizona at the time. They just beat Utah and Colorado, who are kind of right on the cusp of that top 25. Both of those teams have been really good. Yeah. and Colorado specifically is also fifteen and six and has been handing losses out in the Pac-12.
1: Correct. That's a quad one or quad two win.
0: Yeah, uh, but they they you know Wazoo loses to California right after they beat USC, Arizona, and Stanford. They lose to Cal, who's not good. Yeah, Cal's not good either. Um, and so I think it's just the the topsy turviness of the Pac-12 is really tough to pin any teams down. Mm-hmm. Um, Oregon is currently six and three in the pack, fourteen and six overall, and second place, and they're not ranked. Like it's just. It's all over the place.
1: It's, it's, t- and, and you know what? We have to give just a moment of silence for the peace of mind of whoever has to come up with the AP rankings. <laughs> what a horrible, horrible year to have that job because neither of these teams is doing fantastic. There are reasons that both teams should be not ranked in the top 25, but I think the only reason I'm like, come on, is everybody is so bad this season. If you're not named Purdue or UConn, I just, I'm not scared of you at all. I was scared of Kansas, and then they had two huge losses in a row. Um, UNC is currently ranked third. That team is not that good. They're just eating up the ACC. Um, so it's just it's a tough year to decide who's good and who's not when everybody has four to seven losses. Um, so I get it, but I also don't get it. Come on. Just a little, little love.
0: Yeah, I was also looking at just the overall statistics for for teams in on just like their rankings and the whatever it is like the three hundred teams that are in the NCAA D one leagues, um, and both Gonzaga and UW are relatively similar offensively um, in the sense of like they're scoring a decent amount of points. Um, but I was looking at the I'm looking at UW specifically because I was just sure might have been at work looking at ESPN. Don't, don't say that. <laughs> Um, and UW has been so bad defensively. They're in like, you know, they're past 200th rankings in a lot of things. Maybe, you know, 150 in offensive efficiency as well. It's just like UW has not been good. Gonzaga, the one area where they've been shining is, is their defense. Yeah, which is so
1: novel. And, and it has been an encouraging thing to watch this season. Their defense has absolutely been the strength of the team with Anton Watson and all these versatile bigs. And you know, Hickman, for as much as he drives me crazy, he's a long athletic guard and he's talented on the defensive end. Um I have a group chat with a bunch of older mostly older Zags like my brother's class, but and they're they've been ranting and raving about Gonzaga this season. And then somebody said something the other day, um that just like really clicked, is like, is this the worst Gonzaga offense like we've ever seen since like 2013. Has there been a worse Gonzaga offense than this? And I think the answer is definitively no, this is it. This is the bat, the bottom. Thank goodness. They've got probably a top five Gonzaga defense in that stretch. They are, they are a talented defensive team, but yeah, we, it's so unusual to watch Gonzaga basketball and not be top four in the country in like offense. That's what this team does. Um, And that's just, it's not them. So that is very true and has been very strange.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Just basketball, college basketball in general right now has been very, very odd.
1: If if you're taking a season off of college basketball, you picked a good one. This one is confusing. (laughs) This is a headache of a season for everybody. Um, In other news, moving on from college basketball, uh, Kraken have played four games in the last week, splitting those games two and two. With wins over the Blackhawks and Blue Jackets, and losses to the Blues and the Sharks, not a ton to say. Um, they have won when they've scored four or more goals, and they've lost when they have not. Um, their offense has been a little spastic. Nice to see them end their four-game skid that they were on. We'll take two and we'll two over fifty. Yeah, fifty percent. Yeah. Um,
0: but they are not. You know, they're not going to move up the rankings by any means with that. Correct. And after that nine-game win streak, they are now two and six
1: in their last eight. So, um, disappointment there. Hopefully, they
0: can build a little bit, but um, yeah, pretty ho-hum. Yeah. I do want to bounce back to college basketball, but talk about the women's teams because it's important to note that the Wazoo women's team just beat number two UCLA at UCLA um, the other day. I believe that was Sunday. That's huge. Was that UCLA's first loss on the season? Um, let me look. It was their third. Okay. They were they were sixteen and two at that point. Well,
1: that speaks to a little bit of parity in women's basketball too. Yes. we often see these number two ranked teams undefeated. Um, even the fact that you know the number two team in the country already had two losses speaks to the fact that everybody's in a state of flux right now. Yes.
0: Um, yeah, and I think they bounced down to seven. Right after that loss, so yeah. that seems about about right with that record. Is that enough to boost the women up to the top twenty-five? No, the Pac-12 women's I guess entire roster has six teams in the top twenty. Wow! And UW and Wazoo are neither of, or none of those teams. Okay, um, but they both have big wins this weekend. UW gets a win against number eleven USC. They're both down in California, facing off against USC and UCLA, and they both go one and one. Getting a big win off each of those teams, mm. um, so a good a good weekend for Washington college basketball in general.
1: Yeah, that's great. That's fantastic. Um, Gonzaga women still at nineteen. Um, they're cleaning up in the Just cruising. WCC, but yeah, like people think of the, the men's WCC conference as, like not on par with you know the Power Five. Um, it, with the women's, it's even more. You know, they 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 go undefeated in the women's and and the WCC and and don't necessarily get a lot of respect for it. And so I don't, I think they will win out and I do not think they will move from 19. Mm-hmm. I'll just put it that way.
0: That makes sense, especially with, you know, all these PAC 12 teams and eh, they, they might move up just because PAC 12 teams will beat up on each other and they have six of those spots. Yeah. Goodness gracious. Pac 12 doing PAC 12 things. Um, but I do think like, like you were saying, I think right now it's, South Carolina at the number one spot, and then Kansas State, who can kind of came out of nowhere Correct. in women's basketball at the number yeah. two, and they're what seventeen and one, 18 and one now. Um, so I, I do like a removal of the old guard recently with UConn, Stanford, those yep. teams not being you know even the UCLA, top two. Yeah,
1: um,
0: South Carolina has been running; they've been good. Basketball. They kind of took over UConn's spot in Correct. the last couple of years. Um, but, but it's it's nice to not have UConn just running the table every single year. Change is good. Yeah,
1: South Carolina is like. Georgia college football. Like, yes. They've been winning a lot, but we still like them because they're not <laughs> Alabama. Um yeah, yeah, that's fascinating. It'll be that's an underrated aspect of the Pac Twelve, you know, dissolve, dissolvement, mm-hmm. disillusion. Um I'm curious to see if these Pac twelve women's college basketball programs are going to move to the Big Ten and the Big Twelve and wherever they end up and really just run things, you know. The Pac Twelve is so competitive. With women's basketball, they always have been. Um, it would be fun to see if, yeah, next year if
0: they just three yeah. of them are the top teams in these new conferences. Exactly, if they're yeah
1: running these major conferences, that'd be a, a fun wrinkle.
0: Like the Oregon State women's team in the Mountain West, or I guess they they might be in the WCC. They're going to be team. in the WCC. Yeah, Gonzaga <laughs> might get a couple <laughs> losses next year. Oh well, yeah, no, it's gonna be it's gonna be good. Uh, I do want to talk about Wazoo and UW play this weekend, so that's going to be a fun game on uh, Saturday. That's the men's. Yes. But that's all I've got. I'm done with college basketball now. I'm I know sorry. I have I've I've been all away the early. I've, I've been all over the place.
1: <laughs> um, I think that's all we got for news. You want to move into a deeper discussion on some of the Mariners' recent moves?
0: Yeah. So this was a big piece of news. This came out on Monday. Monday morning on Mariners' Twitter was a shit show because – there was a couple people that were talking about how they expect the Mariners to make a move. And I think I even texted you that I saw that. Um, And so I was waiting around all day, checking Twitter every 15 minutes, like what's going on, what's going on. And then I get the ESPN notification that the Mariners have traded for Jorge Polanco, who is a, or was a twin. And he was mainly a second baseman, can play a little third, um, has played a little DH because of injuries and things of that nature. Um, and so I was really, really stoked. And then I got I got back from work or whatever, and you showed up back at the house at what, like, whatever it was, five. And you were like, who the heck is Jorge Paloma? <laughs> More or less. <laughs> and so I was like, dude, this guy's like a top 10 second baseman in all of baseball when he's healthy. Like, he was an all-star two three years ago. He was an all-star five years ago in 2019. Was he not in
1: 2021? He was not in 2021.
0: Is that when he hit 33 home runs? He hit.
1: Where are his home runs? Uh, no, he hit 33 in 2021, which was the most in a season in his career. Did not get him to All Star.
0: Wow, that's crazy. Um, I guess yeah. In 20 2019, he hit 295. Had a much correct. He hit 270 in 2021, which
1: was also just
0: a more competitive year for
1: second baseman in the sport.
0: Yes. But still,
1: I didn't notice that his high in home runs was twenty twenty one. That's encouraging yes. because, to be honest, we were having a back and forth on who this guy was. He told me that he was an all-star from the Twins, and I got very excited. Then I saw that he was a 30-year-old who was an all-star five years ago, and I was less <laughs> excited. Um, so, you know me. I'm a pessimist with this. You did text me. I, I was at work, and I got a text, big move coming from the Mariners today, and... You know, my head was going to bigger places than Jorge Polanco. This is a good player, um, and he's going to bring some things to the team. But why don't, you, why don't you hype me up a little bit? Convince me, why, why is this a good move for this team? What does he bring into the table?
0: Man, I can, I can do that times two. Um, he is, like I said, a top 10 second baseman in all of baseball when he's healthy. Um, as you can see, he's got that home run and that power. Um, that power's there. And he's a switch hitter, so he's gonna play. He's gonna have the ability to play every night. The switch hitting is not like a Cal Raleigh, where he only hits home runs from one side of the plate. Both sides are just as strong. He's more of a Jose Ramirez type, where he can mm. hit righty, he can hit lefty with power. I didn't know with, that. And for average, um, so he's gonna be an everyday player. Um, he is. God, he just he his strikeout rate has crept up the last couple of years just because he's gotten a little older. Mm-hmm. But he's he's 10, $10 million dollars, I think, this year, which is not a lot for a player of his caliber. And yeah, he just projects, if he's healthy, to be like a twenty-five home run guy, a two fifty to two sixty average, um, and an everyday player. And at second base, that is such, such an upgrade from Josh Rojas, Luis Urias. Dylan Moore, whoever was going to be playing second base for the Mariners, yes. this guy is leagues better than any of those players.
1: Yeah. And so that's great. And you're right about that. Yeah. The last three years um, since that awesome, awesome 33 home run season, he's a, a 250 batting average guy, about 330 on base, 450 slugging. So you know what he's bringing, and he is bringing that power. Um, since that 33 home run season in 2021, he's missed 60 and then 80 games the last two seasons. So he has had some struggles with injury. Um, hopefully that won't be an issue here in Seattle. Um, yeah, but the the home run hitting is big. And we've talked about that in the past, how we don't necessarily have enough slugging on this team. Um, so that is encouraging. And it's something I didn't appreciate when I first glanced at him. Um, I just, my only concern is I don't want to bring in a guy whose best days are behind him. Um, and to your point, and we'll, we'll talk about this as well, what they gave up for him. It's not like the Mariners emptied the cupboards to get this guy. It was a very, it kind of reminds me of the Phoenix Suns getting Bradley Beal, um, where people are like, oh, Bradley Beal, you know, he's a little bit older, like how much value are we really getting for that guy? But it's like, well, when you look what the Suns gave up for him. You know, all it can be really is additive. And that is how I feel about this trade. Just, you know, when I was hearing about a big move, I was
0: maybe hoping for a 2022 all-star. <laughs> no, that's fair. And I think you hit on hit the nail on the head there with the 330 on base, 450 slugging. That's a 780 OPS guy. Mm. And I think I was saying during the baseball season, a 700 OPS is average. 780 is great. Yes. It's not, you know, it's not elite. It's not the best player on the team or anything, but he's had a 124 WRC plus a 119 WRC plus and a 118 WRC plus in the last three years. Mm -hmm. And those are indicative of how much better than the average player he's been. Yes. Over that time, he's about a 120 WRC plus guy. That's 20% better than the average player. Yeah. The average second baseman. Average hitter. Oh really? In general. Okay. All right. It takes, yeah, it takes into account everybody across the league. Um, yeah, when we got him, I was excited because I thought it would be for longer and that he was like 28, and we would be getting him a little bit more in his prime. Yes. Um, I didn't realize how long he's been on the Twins. He's been on the Twins for nine years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's a, he's a great, I guess, solid player. Like, he's you can't do much worse than him at second base. Yeah. Um, or better. Sorry, I said that wrong.
1: Yeah, and it's one of those deals. It's kind of like the Bellinger deal with the Cubs. It's kind of a, a prove-it opportunity for him in a new place. Um, The Twins are obviously ready to move on from him and and turn his value over. Uh, And he's got a chance here with the Mariners. And, you know, it's a big year for him because uh, his stats have been going down and he has been dealing with injuries these last two years, and he just turned 30. So this will be a big year for him to prove that he's worth good money um, in his upcoming negotiation. And, you know, if he proves it, then hopefully we retain him. You know, that would be... That would be great, but I also like that we didn't bring in a 30-year-old batter who's trending in the wrong direction on a four- or five-year deal. You know, I'm, yes. I'm glad that they get an opportunity to see him, especially in a ballpark that has not always been the most friendly to hitters.
0: Yeah, and so some of Polanco's baseball savant stats show that he's going to hit home runs at T-Mobile Park just as frequently as he will at any other park. Mm. Like His power is real, and it's more of a pull power, and it comes from both sides of the plate, so he can hit it out of left and right. But it's not going to. He's not a center field power guy. Like his home runs are a lot of sprays down the right field line and a lot of sprays down the left field line, and those in T-Mobile Park's not a bad park to hit in those directions. Correct.
1: Yeah, center field's always been tough just because the air, the goddamn yes. atmosphere. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just think he's he's so good, and I guess we can kind of talk about what the Mariners gave up for him. Yes. Um, but I do really want to say he's a he's supposedly, from everything that I've heard, a great clubhouse guy mm. and gonna be a great fit with this team that's kinda together. Um, and like you were saying, we've got him for a year with a club option next year. So if he does well this year, we can retain him for twelve and a half million dollars for another for another year and kind of bridge that gap to our younger yeah, you know players that are in the minors right now mm-hmm. that need a couple more years. He's a great bridge for that and a great potential one-year or two-year fit. We've got options with this guy. Yes. Which is awesome.
1: That is great. I do love optionality. And he's from the DR, which Julio is a DR guy, right? Yeah. Okay. Julio is so a DR guy. I'm They'll sure get that's along great. Nice. Exactly. I'd love to, love to stack DR guys. Um, the Dominican Republic for our
0: <laughs> uneducated <laughs> listeners. All right. Let's talk about who we gave up. So the first... And really, only big name from the Mariners last year that was given up was Justin Topa, who yes. I said that, and John looked at me with a quizzical look the other day. Uh, I Justin- said, I believe I said, "Who the fuck is Justin Topa?" <laughs> <laughs> no Justin-
1: disrespect to Ta- Justin.
0: Justin Topa was our, I guess, like third at the, at the by the end of the year, he was kind of our third reliever or third top reliever. It was Munoz, Brash, Justin Topa. He was kind of our our core seventh inning guy. If you need, if you had a pitcher pitch first to the sixth, and then and then we go seventh was Topa, eighth was Brash, ninth was Munoz. That was our that was our formula, and he was a, he was a big part of that. He was really good, and he's making I believe like one and a quarter million dollars this next year. Yeah, he, he was a good pitcher, but the Mariners have shown time and time again they can replace guys like that. Uh huh. Um, so, I would expect, and maybe the Twins are taking a step back this year, and they might try and get him and deal him with the deadline for, like, more.
1: Yeah, because he has good value yes. for what he's bringing to a team. Yes.
0: So, I love Justin Topa. He's going to be really good for the Twins this year, and I would expect him to fetch a lot at the end of the year.
1: Yeah. That's um, part of it, too, is he's he was a one-year rental from the uh, Milwaukee Brewers. The, last year was his first year on the Mariners. so. You know, we know from the pitching staff two years ago that this system can work without him. It's yes. not like he's been an integral part of this for the last five years. Um, and to your point, while he is a guy with trade value this year, he's a guy that's going to sign a bigger deal. Come the following year because he's going
0: to be, yeah, he's going to do, he's going to be a Paul Seawald and eventually start making five to $8 million. Exactly. That's a great comparison to Seewald. Um, and I like him a lot too. I didn't
1: recognize his name at first, but once we're talking about the rotations, it's like, oh yeah, I know I've, I've seen Topa pitch. So uh, tough to see him go, but it's kind of a a short-term rental at, you know, reliever for a short-term rental at second base. And one of those needs is bigger for this team.
0: Yep. Um, the other guy we give up, or there's three other guys, but the next guy in line is, uh, Anthony Descalfani, one of the guys who we got in the deal with the Giants in the Mitch Haniger Descalfani for, who did we even give up? Was that, that wasn't the Isaiah Campbell deal. That was for Luis Urias. Uh, it'll come to me, but. Uh, Robbie Ray. Oh, yes. The Robbie Ray deal. Uh, yeah. Descalfani, who was making, I believe, I believe it was six million from the Giants and, Six million from the Mariners, and so he gets traded to the Twins. Um, so we offload that and kind of take on the Polanco money. Um, Descalfani was a really, really good sixth starter in the rotation. He would be, he would have been great for having a backup if Miller or uh Wu get injured, yes, um, or even just taking some of the load off their arms. They're still young, still need to work up their arms to get the to that you know 150 plus inning count. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's a, he would have been a really good guy for that. We still have people, um. That we've signed to take on that role. Austin Voth, who we talked about last week or a couple weeks ago, was a Mariner signed him for a million dollars. And he's gonna be very sim he's gonna take on a very similar role to Desclafani. is kinda what's of yes. what's expected.
1: Especially with Desclafani out the
0: door. Yes. Um didn't get to see him. Don't really know a ton about him, but I know he's I know he's a good solid Marco Gonzalez type pitcher who the twins Probably needed because I don't think their pitching is nearly as deep as the Mariners.
1: Yeah. So when you look at those two deals in the aggregate, we gave up Robbie Ray and Justin Topa essentially because you know, there were other players in this Minnesota trade, but nobody that was going to play significant innings for the Seattle Mariners. So, yes. um, we gave up Robbie Ray and Justin Topa for Jorge Polanco and Mitch Haniger. That's really essentially what those two deals came down to. Yeah. Um, and you know, I don't think when you look at it that way, I think that's about equitable. I don't think we fleeced anybody, nor did I think we got fleeced. But um, no. it's just a value-for-value value thing where we need it the most. Um, pitching is obviously this team's strength. We needed some better players um, hitting the baseball. Um, nice to get mm-hmm. Hanniger back in the rotation, classic Mariner guy. Um but that does open up the question of like, okay, we came into this offseason knowing that we needed to bolster this pitching staff a little bit. We saw them down the line last year start to run out of steam. Obviously, you know, bringing in guys like Voth, Vo- Vo- Vot? Both. Um, that'll be helpful. But um, do you think they have another move to make in regards to pitching or do you think they're about done?
0: I could see them signing a guy who can flip-flop between the bullpen and a starting position, another another vote kind of guy, hmm. just in the sense of we like, kind of like a Chris Flexen from a couple years ago yeah. where it was like Flexen was our backup, backup starter in case a couple guys got injured, but he would sit in the bullpen and be ready if we needed a long reliever type situation or anything like that. Um, I could see them signing a guy for that, but I don't I don't see them making a trade just because there are those guys out there on the free agency hmm. market. Uh, and I don't, I don't, I wouldn't want to give up anybody for a role like that. Okay.
1: Well, that makes sense. Um, so yeah, those are the big moves. Um, they also, we got Samad Taylor, a second baseman from the Kansas City Royals for a player yet to be named. Um, he's a speed guy. He's not going to play a lot. He's kind of a a third, second baseman. Is that fair?
0: Uh, yeah. Big, just a utility player guy. I, I equate him to like a Billy Hamilton who can play in the infield. Um, he's going to, he's got a 91 rated speed on baseball savant or 91st percentile. Sorry. And, uh, yeah, I think he'll just be a really good guy to put in if we need a runner, um, and just be a nice backup presence, uh, in the, in the dugout. I do want to talk about the two, uh, younger guys that we gave up in the Polanco trade. Sure. Gabriel Gonzalez and, uh, Darren Bowen, I believe his name was. Bowen is projected to to projects more as a reliever. Um, and he's our like, you know, late teens, early 20s prospect. He's not nothing, nothing to write home about, but he's he'll be decent in a few years. Um, and Gonzalez has been rated and I think is rated as the number three prospect in MLB Pipeline for the Mariners, but is you know can be rated down to like the number seven to ten. Yeah, it's so Um, hard with prospects, man. But he's a big contact guy. Uh, doesn't have a ton of power, plays outfield. It's going to, in really where his value is going to come from, is being a contact hitting, like, left fielder. And if he can generate that power, he might turn into a better player. But right now, I don't see a ton coming from him. And so, with that being said, giving up Gonzalez, Bowen, Descalfani, and Topa seems like a lot, but I think it's worth it for the year plus of Polanco. And I think the Mariners, with this move, have. have signaled that they're in a win now mode. I think that's what we can say definitively is they have improved this team tremendously from how it ended this season. Mm-hmm. Whether or not you agree that is better than Teoscar or is better than you know the guys that we lost, like a Gino. I think we've improved tremendously from where we were at the end of the season because we lost Teoscar. Like we we had Gino, but we didn't have another outfielder. We've improved so much with the guys that we've acquired I know we got rid of Kelnick in a, in what people think is a salary dump, but I don't think Kelnick had a spot on this team. Just the way that the Mariners have been kind of treating him, mm-hmm. and how he's been treating the Mariners ever since he left. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, that was kind of a DeAndre Ayton move. Yeah, um, where
0: I love the basketball comparisons. Yeah, you? yeah, a lot of Suns <laughs>
1: comparisons too. But that was a move where people were kind of like, "What? You're, you know, what are you getting for a guy with that value?" But the question was like we understand the guy's value intrinsically, but what is his value on this team? Does he want to be here? Do his teammates want him here? The answer to both those questions is no. Then maybe you just need to take what you can get. Um, And I like Kellnick as a prospect. I was was hoping he'd be on this team the next five years, but it just wasn't looking like that was the way this was going to work out. So at some point you got to pull the trigger.
0: Yeah. So all that being said, the Mariners make a couple moves this week and in my mind a very very big move. I know you thought it would be bigger when I te- when I texted you, Yeah, but... I, you know me. I always want the
1: <laughs> I wanted Shohei to decommit to, <laughs> to decommit to the Dodgers.
0: Um but I think they've improved tremendously and it'll be a great if this if this team is done building right now, if the if the roster is complete the way that it is, I'm very happy with it. I think this is a solid at least 90-win team. 90 wins? Yeah.
1: Well, that's a that's a big call.
0: I know that's saying a lot. And Polanco currently is projected by on Fangraphs to have a an F WAR of, I think it's like two to three somewhere in that range. Um, if he plays like he has the last couple of years and doesn't get injured, that could shoot that could go past three into three and a half's four. Yeah, he could have a really really strong year at second base. He, now he's not a great defender, but he could have a really strong offensive year, which is really what we need. T-Mobile Park's a flyball heaven, like. Pitchers Correct. love throwing fly, having five balls come there. Yeah. Um, so I, I think he could have a really, really good role on this Mariners team. He'll hit third, and it'll just—it's—he's lengthens the lineup so much. Mitch Haniger is going to be hitting seven, eight, or nine on this team right now,
1: which is you know we like Mitch Haniger, but
0: he's not exactly—that's where play. he needs to be at Correct. this point in his career, Correct. which is awesome. Like it's, we got him at that at that role, and that
1: feels amazing. It's good to have players in a role appropriate to their skill level. I agree with you there.
0: Yeah. So. There you have it. That is all I have to say on the Mariners. You had anything else before we move on to our our no. next big topic?
1: No, I'd like to see one more move, but it was it was a good move. I I want, I always want the 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 big splash, but he's a talented player.
0: And I guess the other side of that is we didn't lose any of our pitching pro- any of our pitchers. We we kept Castillo, Kirby, Gilbert, Miller, and Wu. Mm-hmm. Miller and Wu, we were both willing to give up for really good players. We thought they might gone. We didn't be even gone.
1: have to. Yeah, we thought they might be gone. So. Um,
0: really, really good. Good work by DePoto in the front office. and
1: Really, I'm... Let's not start complimenting DePoto just yet.
0: I, I think you have to, dude. That was a really... Like, the moves that they made this offseason to improve the team without losing the core of their pitching, any of the core players on the team, and improving with financial restrictions imposed on them by the owner. Sure, sure. I think they did a really good job, and they still have, like... 13 to 19 million dollars to work with or something like that that's they like they could sign a good pitcher for that if they wanted to they could probably sign Cody Bellinger when they're 10 and 6 we'll talk (laughs) all right let's let's talk Seahawks yep I'm ready
1: time Um, okay so it was not Dan Quinn it was not (laughs) anybody that we thought it would be Ben Ben Johnson staying with uh, staying with the Lions I love
0: the loyalty good for him
1: I honestly, I do, I like that Lions team a lot. Yeah. Um, I feel bad for him and Campbell, but, uh, yeah, that was a tough game. But, um, yeah, Mike Vrabel, I believe is still up in the air. Dan Quinn is still up in the air. And it was none of them. It was Mike McDonald, defensive coordinator for the Super Bowl bound Baltimore. Oh no, not Super Bowl bound. Ooh, nice try. <laughs> <laughs> for the Cancun bound Baltimore Ravens, uh, who is taking over for Pete Carroll as the new Seattle Seahawks head coach. Um, This is an exciting move. I'm excited about it. Um, I think if we had had him in our discussion with our head coaching candidates, he would have fallen to third for me. I think I still would have preferred uh, Johnson and Vrabel over him, but I'm glad we got him over Quinn. Um, Yeah, I
0: haven't seen anything anything from Quinn the last – you know, year since we talked about it, that would make me more excited.
1: I think he's a really good DC. I just, I don't want him at head coach. I just don't. Yeah. Um, Anyways, this is a youth move. Um, Mike is 36 years old, I believe, which puts him at the youngest head coach in the NFL. Um, so, you know, we've seen a lot of success from this kind of new generation of head coach coming in, this younger generation. So uh, it's exciting to be getting in on that. We are going from the oldest head coach in the NFL to the youngest. Um, so it's going to be a big change. Uh, I guess my first thoughts are just like it is kind of a big swing. Um, this is a very new, believe it or not, at 36 years old, a very new head coaching candidate. He got his first, de- he was with the Ravens for a long time uh, in more minor gigs, and then he got his first coordinator job jumping Harbaugh's and going to gym at Michigan. Um, so he was the D.C. for Michigan in 2021. After that season, he returned to the Ravens for the D.C. role there and has been their coordinator the last two years, um, led them this year to the first overall defense in terms of points allowed and the second overall defense in yards.
0: Is that right? Something like that. They had the most sacks, most takeaways in the in the NFL this year.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So obviously there's a lot of talent on that team, but uh, he did his job at the very least. So new, but talented.
0: Yeah. The main thing that I think about when I look at this move is that he's going to be a great guy to have this relatively young Seahawks defense work behind. Obviously, if Bobby Wagner returns, he'll be a great veteran presence, but he's going to be a guy that can change this scheme defensively into whatever he wants it to be. This is still a very, very young team. And moldable. in that sense, they're yeah. very moldable. Exactly. Um, which I love. My first question was, what does this guy know about offense? That was the first thing that I that I was worried about. Because like we were saying, we want kind of a new offense. Yes. Um, and so that's the one thing that I'm worried about, thinking about this next season. And we can get to that in a little bit. But that was my first t- uh, first concern. Um, I'm excited. I've heard a lot of good things about this dude in the sense of he's a good football head. Like He's just you know, a guy's guy when it comes to hanging with the team. He's going to be, I think he'll be more along the lines of like, um, I can't think of the guy for the Dolphins right now, but a coach Mike like Mike McDaniel. Him. Mike McDaniel, there yeah. we go. <laughs> now, that's going to be confusing. Yes. Mike McDonald and Mike McDaniel. Um, I think he'll be- Good time to be an Irish coach. Let's go. <laughs> Those are my boys out there it'll be similar to him in the sense of like a young guy who's getting the team riled up a good kind of the opposite of Pete Carroll where Pete Carroll was like an old head. And that was what made him a good presence in Seattle. And this guy will be a good, like young profile for the, for the media to take, take in hand kind of like they've done with McDaniel.
1: Yeah. And yeah. So to your point, I feel very similarly about the offense thing. Um, what does this guy know about offense? He's not uh, Mike McDaniel or, um, oh, goodness gracious, uh, the Rams head coach. Sean McVay. Thank you. Thank you, Sean McVay. He's not one of those types. He's not coming in to build a league-breaking offense and leave the defense to a talented coordinator. If anything, he's doing the opposite. Um, and that's okay, uh, mostly, I think, because this – to me, more than anything, indicates that ownership and I are on the same page, which we all know is very important, um, and that's that it's time to rebuild. You do not hire the youngest coach in the NFL if you're trying to win next year. Now, they would love to win next year, but that's not why you make this hire. You hire Mike Vrabel if you want to win next year. You bring in Dan Quinn, a more experienced coach, if you want to win next year. You bring in Mike McDonald if you are looking to build. Um, And that is the most encouraging part of this to me, is that this year he's going to come in, like you said, he's going to take the reins of a young defense. He's going to take a lot of that Ravens defensive scheme, which, by the way, loves corner blitzing, which I can think of one guy in particular is going to really enjoy, um, and get a chance to start building out what is hopefully a top defense in Seattle and what I really think and what I really hope is that they are setting this up to then bring in a young, talented offensive mind to take the helm of the offense. Um, much like uh, McVeigh has uh, oh, what's his name? He just got a head coaching gig himself. The defensive coordinator for the Rams is very talented and has been for a long time. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping that they can do something like that. Probably won't happen this year. Um, and with that in mind, I do think there are going to be concerns about this offense next season.
0: Yeah. Shane Waldron being gone is a huge factor. Um, obviously, last year was not a, you know, we've been talking about how the Seahawks offense has not been amazing under Waldron. Yes. And I believe he came over when Russell, or he came up when Russell left. Yes. And so it's been two years of kind of mediocrity, all things considered.
1: Yeah, he has not been, nobody's, nobody's weeping tears that he's left. He, yes. He's a good guy, but he's not. Yeah,
0: but that is that is a spot to fill that we will be discussing, I'm sure, in the future. Um, I would love somebody to just kind of change up the pace a little bit. I think that's what we need. Um, we've been so deep shot heavy. I want, and, I, and that may be because Gino doesn't have that middle of the middle of the field skill. Yes, but I I would love more of like the Brock Purdy style, where it's like short passes and let these dudes work because JSN is great. Great hands, great at catching the ball. He's DK's a great slot receiver. Super uh, super good at like slants and being able to outrun guys, kind of like a Tyreek style runner. Mm. Um and I would love to get, you know, Walker more involved, Charbonnet more involved. Just yeah, in the past, these he gave, things, my goodness,
1: it'd be nice to have a running back catch a pass every once in a while.
0: Yeah. Walker was great at that in the limited opportunities he got. And
1: he always all he caught was just dump outs into the flat. Yeah. Which is not, you know, a good way to running running backs in the passing game. But yeah, to your point, while there are still concerns about this offense, there aren't any concerns that weren't already here last year. Yeah. You know, we traded out a defensive minded coach for a defensive minded coach, um, who's younger and hopefully has something new to bring to the table. Um so yeah, nothing new on that side of the I wonder I do believe that they have them going this route as an indicator, look to the Seahawks to potentially trade up in the first round of this year's draft and try and grab a quarterback because, you know, I don't think I don't think this team is saying let's let's keep the keys in in Geno's hands. I don't think it makes sense for the team. So we'll see what happens on that front.
0: Yeah. And especially, you know, as as interesting as this move is, you think about it with the ownership and how they've wanted or they want. And the reason Pete Carroll has gone is because they want a new quarterback. Yes. You get a young guy who doesn't have a lot of pull. In in that front yeah. office system, for sure, a, a, a yes sir guy. No, that is real. That <laughs> and, is real, and he's obviously defensive minded. They don't have to listen to him when it comes to the decisions that they make. I think he's very likely to
1: say whatever you'd like at quarterback this year. He's trying to yeah, he's trying to establish himself, get his feet underneath him. Yes, I don't think he's going to be arguing with ownership over the direction at quarterback. That is a very good point. Yeah, as opposed to like a Mike Vrabel, who would be like, no, I know what I want.
0: Yeah, or or he would even just say, hey. I'm just trying to win games now. I don't need a quarterback. Give me Gino.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, So yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see how this draft shapes up, especially with this, this head coaching change. Mm -hmm. Um, And even if the Seahawks sign an offensive coordinator before then, or if they move somebody up from within their system, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't have any insight into that. Um, But I do think this is indicative of them moving more in the offensive direction with that first pick.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That'll be very, very interesting. Um, Yeah, if anything, this guy probably wants to draft a quarterback because if they get a a quarterback to develop and they have a new head coach, there aren't going to be a lot of expectations next year. In fact, the worse the Seahawks are next year may be better for the team going forward because, you know, get a chance to get some more early round talent in the following draft. As opposed to if you have Geno again, there's a certain level of, well, we need to succeed now because that's what this team is built for. So he might be all in on like, yeah, let's let's trade everything we can for assets and let me have a couple of years to really get my feet under me here. Um, yeah, interesting stuff.
0: Yeah. I'd be intrigued to see if the Seahawks kind of let Geno take on that mentorship role mm. um, or go the other way and try and give a, you know, if they do draft a quarterback, try and give him all the reps and just let Geno just kind of, you know, sit back or if they trade him or what. Um, just because I think Geno, Geno it has the capability to win – at least five, six games, mm-hmm. and I think it depends on what the Seahawks want to do. If they if they want to do you know a tank season in quotes, um, yeah, it'll it'll be interesting for sure.
1: Yeah, what I would not do is just completely abandon Gino's value, which is definitely there. You know, we know who Gino is, and he's a starting level, especially with the <laughs> with the quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Gosh, what a mess! There there is a there is a team for him where he will start for them. So if they can't trade him this off season, um, I would I would hold out. Now draft a quarterback, but let Geno start next year, and then wait for the first guy to go down, and start shopping and start shipping him because he has value, and you can get a return for him. Which I would be remiss if the Seahawks were not able to get something back for Geno. Um, I think that would be the best of both worlds.
0: Yeah. Anything else? That's you know, we're at forty five minutes. We've been we've been kind of cruising, but at a good pace. Yeah. I don't know if you want to talk Super Bowl, that might be a next week thing.
1: Well i not we save it for next week.
0: Okay, don't let's let people wait. Let's I wanna give do we each give one one initial thought. We yeah. give we give a value dog per se. Sure. <laughs> sure. Uh,
1: yeah. I'll I'll give a thought. I was thinking about this beforehand. Um my thought is it's kinda of boring. We're getting Kansas City 49ers again. We got this just a couple of years ago. Um, And when there are these two teams that have both had a lot of success these last couple seasons and people are not super invested one way or the other, I want to see Kansas City win. And that's because if I don't have stakes in it, I want to see history. Um, And if anybody knows me, they know I hate Tom Brady more than anybody. (laughs) And... Mahomes has a real, real chance to start being in that discussion of the greatest quarterback to ever play. Uh, if he wins his, what would it be, third Super Bowl in five years, um, or would it be four in five years? No,
0: third and five. Third and
1: five years. Um, at his age, and with with you know the way the rest of his career could play out, so you know with the lack of a, a better option, obviously if Detroit made it or something like that. I'd be rooting for them, but. But these two powerhouses, just give me history, and also make all the Taylor Swift fans happy. So that's a good thing. I that's a good.
0: Thing. I think you're just a Taylor Swift fan, John.
1: I do. I do like Taylor Swift. I do. That's you know. That's another take for you. People need to calm down. Yeah. Like. A ton of new people are watching the sport because Taylor Swift is in it. It's a fun storyline. Stop whining that they keep showing her on the screen. What
0: you want? It's to... not like they're giving like intense commentary no, about her. It's like
1: what you want a more two second shots of players standing on the sideline. No, but just let them show Taylor Swift and let all the people that are watching the game just to see Taylor Swift enjoy that moment and just chill. It's not going to be happening again next year. This woman is far too busy to be spending 17 weekends a year of her life in following
0: Kansas city guys. Exactly. (laughs) This
1: is a thing that is happening in 2023. We'll always remember the Taylor Swift year. So just chill and let it happen.
0: Yeah. I think when it comes to that, I'll, I I could go the other way. I think Brock Purdy being the Mr. Irrelevant to win a Super Bowl would also be really cool. That's real. But as Seahawks fans, I think we do have to be rooting for the chiefs. Um, not much else to say there. I, I would I would appreciate if Brock Purdy won purely because he was so miscounted. Yeah. Um, but the, the team around him is so good. It's like you have... like They have all the talent in the world. Correct.
1: And I love CMC. I'd be really happy for McCaffrey to get his first Yeah, inning.
0: The grow-up from the Panthers. Yeah. And, and it's, all that. <laughs> it's, been a,
1: it's been a wild how great of a trade that was for the Niners. Um, but I just think... Yeah. I don't really care who wins. And I would... You know anything that could have Brady's name brought up less, I am for, and Mahomes winning a couple more Super Bowls would would help towards that end. So I'll, I guess I'll root for them.
0: I like that. All right, if that's it, I will sign us out here. If you enjoyed this episode of Sound Up Seattle, please feel free to give us a follow on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. We did get an email from our buddy Zach.
1: Let's go! Thanks, Zach. We love you, Zach. <laughs> We should have a whole episode just discussing Zach and his email.
0: <laughs> he was at, he listens to podcasts on a different podcasting app that's called Overcast that our podcast is also released on. And I don't know if I, he saw my email, but I said that, hey, it's released on that too. Um, which is why we say, hey, if you found the podcast or if you have a podcast uh, app that you like to listen on, it's probably there. We have a feed that it posts to everything. So enjoy that.
1: The world needs this content. We're putting it... <laughs> We're, we're, we're putting transcripts in bottles and throwing it in the
0: ocean. <laughs> uh, you can find Sound of Seattle on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram, all at Sound of Seattle, all lowercase, all one word. You can find me, Tyler, at tycard 50 everywhere that's important. You can find John playing a lot of Seven Wonders right now. I feel like that's kind of your thing. I'm in the board games now. Video games melt your brain, dude. They're bad
1: for you.
0: <laughs> uh, and with all that being said, let's go, squids. Let's go, squids. Turn it around, boys. Come on.